let me pray and then we'll we'll jump in and um, I want to remind you at the outset we I want this to be somewhat participatory as you have opportunity uh, I'm not sure exactly how this zoom thing works I think there's a raise your hand or something function or just speak up if you have a question at some point um, I'm gonna run through a, a a brief presentation looking at the, the biblical anthropology of children. What do we know from the scriptures about children? And what are these these tiny and not so tiny ones that we have in our homes? And how do we relate to them? What do they need? And so from the scriptures, we need to have a, a good theological starting place. So let, let me pray and ask that the Lord would give us his help as we work through this. Our gracious God and Father, we are thankful that you have made yourself known to us and you have also made ourselves known to us. Father, we, we confess that we would not know ourselves rightly, uh, accurately, uh, unless you had shown us in the perfect mirror of your word. And we also could not know the, the hearts, the minds, the inclinations of our children fully, apart from your word revealing that to us. So we pray for your help. Help us to think uh, biblically. Help us to think theologically. Help us to think in ways that would glorify you and be of good help to our children as we seek to see them grow and prosper before you. We ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. So this is the, the second session. I've given this a somewhat technical title. It's not exactly Puritan-esque because it's only uh, four little words, but, but it is uh, a title that wouldn't necessarily... Uh, scream its intention right away. And, and I've entitled it Biblical Anthropology of Children. And anthropology is simply, what is the study of man? And particularly, what is the study of these younger men and women? Um, we looked last time at the motivation for parenting. Uh, we have eight sessions that I've, I've looked ahead. And I want to remind you at this point that what we're, we're working to do is to build a theological foundation. And I know some of you, some of you I've talked to, you've, you've asked me about this. And you want to just know what to do. How, how, do we, how do we begin to parent? How do we, or we, how do we improve our parenting? Give us the, the what and the hows. And, and, and I hope that we can help each other in that regard. And the scriptures will be a help to us. But first, let's, let's spend the time to work through a theological uh, foundation and build some tools for us to apply later on. So this is kind of the outline of where we're going today is the biblical anthropology of children. And I'm going to, I'm going to look at five different points today. I was very, very close to a five-point alliteration. I didn't quite pull it off. You'll see the first, the first is a phrase, and the second word I get a little bit of credit, the Imago Dei. And we're going to look at, this is the image of God. What does this mean with respect to our children? And then secondly, depravity, dependence. Thirdly, fourthly, development and diversity. So these five, five headings I want us to consider together uh, briefly on each one, and, and then how do we make some application with these, these things with respect to training ourselves as parents, and also training our children. Firstly, the Imago Dei. Of course, this means the image of God. What we see here from the, from the text of Genesis, when, when God made man, he made him complete, he made him fully functioning, and he made Adam and Eve mature. And our children don't come to us fully grown. They don't come to us mature in that sense, but the, they still come to us as image bearers. They are not fully grown. They are not mature, you know, sexually or otherwise, but they are 
complete in the sense that they are image bearers. Listen to what God says about man. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Our young ones, even from before we meet them, when they are still in the womb, they bear the indelible mark of God himself, the image of God. And what does that mean? What are the implications for us as parents? First of all, our children have inherent value. They don't earn a place of value. They don't grow to a place of value. They don't uh, reach a place of value. They, they, by virtue of being an image bearer, before they are born, they are valuable. They have an inherent value that comes from God himself. Listen to what J.C. Ryle says. He says, love should be the silver thread that runs through all your conduct, kindness, gentleness, long-suffering, forbearance, patience, sympathy, a willingness to enter into childish troubles, a readiness to take part in childish joys. These are the cords by which a child may be led most easily. These are the clues you must follow if you would find the way to his heart. Try hard to keep up a hold on your child's affections. It's a dangerous thing to make your children afraid of you. Anything is almost better than reserve and constraint between your child and yourself. And this will come in with fear. Fear puts an end to openness of manner. Fear leads to concealment. Fear sows the seeds of much hypocrisy and leads to many a lie. There is a mind of truth in the Apostle's words to the Colossians. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Let not the advice it contains be overlooked. Now, Ryle is not saying that children should not have a reverence of their parents and a certain kind of fear of their parents, just as we are called to do uh, to, have to fear the Lord. But it should not be the kind of, of terror of their father or their mother, uh, of, of an uncontrolled temper or a, a sharp and barbaric tongue. And, and I think in, in the various ways that I have failed as a parent and the things that I have gotten wrong, I think it's in this area most often that I have erred a bit with a, a tongue that, has, that is sharp, uh, a, a, an anger that's too quickly kindled. And to remind ourselves of the image of God inherent in the very nature of our children is a good reminder to us. Uh, to remind us that we, we are not dealing with servants. We are not dealing with enemies. We are dealing with image bearers that God has placed into our care. The second thing that we, an implication of the Imago Dei, not only is there an inherent value, but they have capabilities. They have capabilities that often, as parents, we can underestimate. From the youngest of age, our children have some capabilities that the beasts of the field don't have. The, the smartest of our livestock, our, our smartest pets, do, or don't have those kinds of capabilities. And so we, we want to think carefully about the capabilities that God has hardwired into our children. You know, as, as image bearers, in the language in our confession, that Adam and Eve were made as reasonable creatures. Our children can be reasoned with. That doesn't mean that we're, we're 
going to negotiate with terrorists. We're not going to reason necessarily with, with the youngest of toddlers and think that that's the only method we employ as if we're reasoning with a coworker and trying to, to negotiate through a difficult circumstance. But our children are capable of reasoning, of understanding, and understanding even more complex things than often we will give them credit for at very young ages. So the Imago Dei, not only inherent value, but capabilities. Let's think, secondly, about their depravity. We touched upon this in, in our first session with respect to the motivations of parents. We, we have to recognize this, this inherent depravity. This is what the scriptures say about these wonderful, cute little bundles that come home to us. And even as they, as they age and mature and they grow and, and hopefully our affections and tenderness towards them grows and we, we learn to not only to love them as, as just, just our child, but love them as the unique people that they're becoming. But we have to recognize in the midst of that, that they are, they go astray from the womb. Proverbs 22, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it from him. I'm going to deal only with the first part of this verse this evening. We'll, we'll save the second half for a later session, but foolishness, think about this. Foolishness or folly is bound up in the heart of the child, and we're not talking about just a simple uh, childish silliness. When you read carefully through the Proverbs, folly and sin always go together. Folly is an absence of wisdom. It, it, is, it is an absence of, of the mind of God. And, and what the, the text tells us is foolishness is bound up. It's not just present.